This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, We turn now to your health and some timely advice on how to take care and heal the largest organ in your body. I'm talking about your skin, and I'm here with one of our foremost dermatologists, Dr. Sandy Scott-Nicky, and she argues that the excessive washing and the numerous lotions and potions that we embrace to preserve our skin are actually harmful. She's written a very informative book called Beyond Soap, The Real Truth About What You Are Doing to Your Skin and How to Fix It for a Beautiful, Healthy Glow. She's taking your calls. It's springtime, and uh, I think it's probably time to change up our skincare regime. So let me give you the numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Dr. Scott Nicky, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Great. So first of all, uh, this started, you started to uh, embark on the writing of this book because you noticed that people were having way more skin problems, mm-hmm. sensitivities. Tell yeah. me about that. Well, my academic interest is uh, something called contact dermatitis. So things that people react to that touch them, which is different than uh, things that you eat or giving you rashes. So um, over the years, I mean, I've been a dermatologist 20 years and I realized that the incidence of this uh, was just clogging up my clinic. Like, and, and even today, you know, I could see three or four patients uh, in a morning that have had a reaction to something that they're using, like a personal care product. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they came in with these things, were they aware that this was the result? Not of always, it? not always. It's funny, they, a lot of people think it's food. You know, they, as soon as you get a rash, the sort of knee-jerk response is, oh, it's something synthetic that I'm using or it's a food that I'm eating. So, I, I, you know, the, the premise of this book was really to try to get a roadmap for people in search of a skincare solution because really there's a lot of um, misinformation or there's just uh, they don't think about something that they could actually be putting on their skin as causing the problem. Okay. Uh, give me an idea of the kinds of things that you found. So you talk about contact dermatitis mm-hmm. and I've, I've had that where a certain kind of fabric is really yep. irritating mm-hmm. uh, but what are some of the other kinds of things that presented in your clinic uh, well because I, I I have this academic interest I have a little bit of a biased group I will see patients that are referred from other dermatologists really really recalcitrant significant rashes that just will not go away you know covering their face sometimes covering their whole body um, we've had, in particular, in the last few years, an epidemic of reactions to shampoo ingredients. And, and what's interesting about that is, um, even yesterday, I saw a woman who had, you know, a year of rashes on her eyelids and face. She stopped all of her face stuff. She's changed multiple times. She's gone and got hypoallergenic. And I said, did you think about your shampoo? And she said, well, why would my shampoo cause a reaction on my face? So it's that sort of disconnect, right? Because it washes over your face. Our products, um, 
that we put on uh, daily can amount to 300 to 500 chemicals a day. And I know there's the whole toxic uh, discussion, but I'm talking about things that can actually give you a rash. And people, there's a disconnect. They don't think about what they're putting on causing rashes. I mean, I, I noticed, for instance, mm-hmm. actually, where did, I'll bring the products out yeah. when, when we have a little break. But I noticed, for instance, that this year, all of a sudden, my scalp's really itchy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't give it too much thought until I realized, boy, you know, we're streaming live, which yeah. means I pay more attention to my hair and there's more stuff. More stuff, and that's what it is. It's just stuff. Like the average woman will put on, you know, fifteen uh, products a day, um, and then if you tally up all those ingredients, so I think it's just uh, it's the the skin is not equipped to deal with the constant water, detergent, and product ingredients, and that it reaches a sort of a cumulative what I call irritant threshold, and you get rashes. And people don't think they always think it's one thing, or they think again it's a food, or they think it's a synthetic. But it's usually the combination of everything all together, and in particular, water and soap, which is really what a lot of this book is about. Water and soap. Yeah. And, you know, just if people are thinking that, you know, this isn't a big deal, it's a kind of really minor problem, Mm -hmm. um, you've seen, tell me what you've seen. Well, I mean, I've seen people, I've seen, I saw a university student uh, from Kingston who was on prednisone a whole year, uh, ruined her whole year of university. I've seen people that uh, it, it, it interferes with her ability to work. I mean, these are extreme cases, but a lot of uh, a lot of people will come in and say, "I have sensitive skin. I have reactive skin," and it's because of the, what they're doing to their skin. It's not some sort of condition that they have. And uh, you know, forty percent of the industrial world at this point, through scientific survey studies, believes they have sensitive skin, and that's not possible genetically. It's because we're doing it to ourselves. of people believe they have sensitive skin. In survey studies across industrial societies, yes. And in in the States, it's individually higher. It's like in the 60s range. Um, I think Italians are in the 90 range. 90% of people surveyed say they have sensitive skin. You've got to ask yourself, how is that possible? It's not genetics. Uh, What about seasonal? I mean, Mm -hmm. we all get drier in the winter because of the heat. Mm -hmm. I know, I mean, it can be very painful. Yes, I mean, it can they, be. yes. I just I don't don't want to talk about me, but my <laughs> husband. Uh, stuff that happens on your feet, it hurts like hell. Yeah, yeah, because it gets cracked. Well, I think one of the one of the big premises of this book is to try to explain to patients. There's a lot of um, things written about health and skin and beauty that don't really talk about the science. And I really try to get down to the science and the evidence. And your skin is like a brick wall, and the the bricks are cells, and the mortar is this. There are these lipids, are called ceramides fats, whatever you want to, adjective you want to call, water and soap, remove them. So if you think about, if if your whole body is a brick wall, it's your armor, and you've been putting holes in it for your whole life, right? And then you add in dry humidity, you know, in the winter and central heating. That's why people start to feel like their skin's itchy and crawly because they've actually, what we call in medicine, impaired their skin barrier. Your skin is a barrier. It's a brick wall. And washing and soaping decrease that barrier and so that you're letting things in like germs and allergens and things in your skincare and you're letting water out. So that sense of feeling of scratchy that you, you were describing or your feet getting cracked or your scalp getting feeling like it has insects crawling in it because the detergents and shampoo are very, very harsh. Um, that's what's causing it. Okay, uh, let's hear from Al in Scarborough. Hi, Al. Hi. Um, I take a, I'm of a 
Scottish heritage, mm-hmm. so I can't take too much sun. sun. And uh, I do a lot of golfing, and I occasionally get little marks on my face. And I take a uh, cream called Effudex. Yes. And uh, it sort of burns it burns it away. Right. And I'm wondering if uh, this is entirely safe safe to take. Yes. Yeah. So this is uh, you're using actually a medical treatment, which is a is a different sort of scenario than just basic skincare. Effudex is a topical chemotherapy agent that is used to treat precancerous lesions, and we do use it quite a bit in dermatology. And unfortunately, to get rid of precancerous sunspots, you need to damage the skin. So your reaction is one that is supposed to happen. You're supposed to get irritated and red. Um, and mm-hmm. you should have maybe been told that by your physician. Um, but that's which, that's the reaction you want because you won't get rid of them any other way. And it's safe. I, yeah. I see. Now, I can be in the sun for 10 minutes, believe it or not, and I get a burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my friends, they seem to get a nice, t- nice tan. Well, that's, and, yeah, that's because it, partly you're... Because I guess my grandparents lived in Scotland a thousand years ago, and I never inherited any DNA <laughs> that... Um, I could find helpful today. Okay. So, yes, I guess uh, people uh, people have uh, different heritages. Thanks, Al, for your call. Is I mean, you know, some yeah. people are fair and some people are dark. Yeah, yeah. We talk we talk about phototypes in dermatology, and and Scottish patients would definitely be phototype one. Very little, uh, you know, protection, a little melanin in their skin. Okay. Uh, our producer today, Christine, has been um, awaiting your appearance because she has a question. So, Chris, go ahead. Hello, doctor. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I have a question. I have a young adult uh, within our big extended family who, around 30, developed what doctors are telling her is cystic acne. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's been about a year now. It, it's getting somewhat better, but she's been given everything from antibiotics to topical creams. Um, and she's kind of at her wit's end. I know, you know, I say to her in the big scheme of things, it's not a huge deal. But when mm-hmm. you're a young woman and you're dealing with mm-hmm. this, it's, it's difficult to face the mm-hmm. world, you know, and you, she can only cover it up so much. How old is she? Do you mind me asking? 29. 29. So, um, you know, we talk about, uh, with this book, uh, in the beginning chapter, I talk sort of about an epidemic of, of skin problems. And, you know, uh, that one of the epidemics is dry, itchy skin, reactions to cosmetics, um, an increase in eczema, allergies. And the other thing I, I touch on, although the book isn't about this, is about acne. And... Um, you know, acne uh, has been looked at in a different different light in the last five years uh, as a dermatology community that um, women in their 20s and 30s and even into their 40s are getting what we call adult acne. It is different than teenage acne and it does seem to be hormonal. What the driving factors are, we don't know, but I think what happens is with these uh, groups of patients is they're not, their hormones aren't irregular. It's just they respond to the swings. So as you ovulate and your estrogen comes up and down, 
um, you get these cysts. Now, unfortunately, because we don't know the drivers, the best treatment for hormonal acne is uh, hormonal treatment. So that's either an oral contraceptive or something that decreases testosterone. They, this group of patients do not respond to topical treatments that uh, you would usually use in a teenager or antibiotics. And I don't believe in using antibiotics long term yeah. anyway. Right. Um, so she really needs a hormonal treatment. And again, it's not that something's wrong. Um, it's that she's responding to uh, the swings of her cycles. And the, the question I have as a physician, and we talk about this in, in, uh, within ourselves as dermatologists and at meetings, is what is causing this? Um, you know, then you get the you did discussions about increase in breast cancer, you know, endocrine um, um, mimickers, you know, from benzophenone to parabens to what's in the diet. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but there is an increase in adult acne in women, and it is hormonal. Thanks for that. You know, just uh, as something to add, uh, I I had that. Um, mm-hmm. I hope this isn't bad news, but my skin cleared up when I hit forty. Menopause, yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't no, menopause, no, it was 40. but yeah. 40-ish, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you know, I have women even in their 40s struggling with it, but in the late 20s, mid-20s to 30s, it's all hormonal, and these it's a very frustrating thing to, to have as a patient because you don't respond to the traditional acne things. Okay, uh, we've got to take a quick break, but we will be back to take more of your calls and your questions. I'm here with Dr. Sandy Scott-Nicky, and we will be back after this. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. We're back. I'm here with Dr. Sandy Scott-Nicky, and I'm going to get right to the phones. We've got Lorraine in Cambridge. Hi, Lorraine. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask a question about the difference between soap and detergent bars. I know most of the so-called soap is detergent. Mm-hmm. And as, as soup, soap, I mean, have any benefit? It's got lye in it, for heaven's sakes. That's right. Yeah, you're very right. And you know what? This was uh, when I was preparing and researching for this book. It was amazing. Um, it's a soap is an incredibly fascinating. Uh, part of our history of humanity, really. Um, Soap uh, comes from the term saponification, which is, you're right, Lorraine, it's it's lye, which is very alkaline, high pH, and some sort of fat. Right. And there are still, the only soap bar that's really available still commercially is ivory, and it has a pH of 9 to 10, which is very, very damaging to the skin. Um, and uh, we now know that the pH of the skin is so important for the preservation of what we call the microbiome, which is the bacteria that live on us, and um, also to to keep our barrier functioning, that brick wall that I was talking about. Yeah. Detergent is uh, it's a it's complicated, but it basically, to, it really happened in World War II when there was a shortage of um, animal tallow. Yeah, so fat. So they looked. The chemists looked at making. Um, some sort of detergent or surfactant is really the term that doesn't use the animal fat and that's how synthetic detergents were, were, were made. The most commonly used synthetic detergent in the world is what's in laundry detergent. Um, you know, I was looking up statistics that um, 2016, I think it was $30 billion U.S. worldwide is the is the market for detergent? Okay, let me ask this about right. soap because in your book you say uh, we shower too much, and even if you're showering a lot, you don't need to soap down your whole body, right. just the parts that just the you, bits, I call just them. the bits. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and don't use soap. 
So what should you use? So you want to use, uh, Lorraine, so you, you're, you're right. You don't want to use the traditional soap. And a lot of the natural soap bars, like the ones you get at these, they're they're not pH balanced. So they're, they're, they may come from the, the, the uh, lavender field in France, and they may be wonderful and organic and natural, but the pH is so high, it's damaging. So that's one of the things I try to get across in the book. So you want to get synthetic detergents. Um, so those would be like your beauty bars. So they're going to be 90% syndets or synthetic detergents like, uh, if I can say brands, you know, Dove, CeraVe, Cetaphil. Um, so those um, are okay. Those are synthetic detergent bars. And are they good or bad? They are good. Good. Yes. Dove. And when you use them, you only want to use them, you only need to wash your bits. You don't need to wash yourself if you're not dirty. We've been in, we've been uh, sort of, it's a cultural norm and it's kind of been hammered into us that we healthy, we're going to be healthy if you're clean. You do not need to clean yourself if you're not dirty. It's actually harming your skin. So you wash your bits, which is underarm, groin, and feet. Right. Do that and already. That's right. So you're doing the right thing and you're doing the right thing by not using soap. Now, what are the names that you gave me? I didn't hear that. So synthetic detergent bars, we call them beauty bars, are Dove. I like Dove for sense of skin because it doesn't have a fragrance. Cetaphil bar, CeraVe bar. Okay. Okay. And a vino bar, sorry. Okay. Let's uh, move along. We've got Joan in North York. Hi, Joan. Yes. um, I'm getting older. I'm 73. I've always had dry skin. Mm -hmm. But at this point... I'm flaking all over, like the house is just covered with white stuff, and my fingers are always peeling. So let me ask you a few questions. I only bathe or shower about once every two weeks and wash my hair about once every two weeks. Okay. I'm just so dried up. Right. So Um, so I don't know, like I do have many allergies like dairy and gluten and things like that, and I take medication for Mm -hmm. blood pressure and... Mm-hmm. You know, do you take any? Uh, I, let Let Sandy ask you some do, questions. Do you take Do you take any cholesterol lowering medication? No, I don't. Need you do to. not. You don't need to. Okay. So, well, it's interesting that you're you know you're bathing uh, once a week or once every two weeks. I think you said, which is great, mm-hmm. um, and that you're you're hopefully when you're doing that you're not soaping up your whole body with with something. And no. uh, but as we get older, our skin does dry out a little bit. It loses its natural you know sort of mortar in the skin. So it, it would be beneficial to replace it. Um, there's that sort of myth about drinking water. It doesn't go to your skin. I mean, it helps your body function better, which is good, but it's not, you, drinking water isn't going to go to your skin. So am um, I dreaming if I think my skin looks dr- great when I drink a lot of water? I think the way I answer that question, especially with to beauty editors, is that drinking water is good for you because it makes all your body systems work well. And, you know, it doesn't, there's no direct path to your skin. The outer part of your skin is actually desiccated. It's, it's dry. It's, you know, that, so you can't, you can't inject water. It's actually, the way the skin works is your outer skin is a brick wall that keeps the water in. So um, that's kind of a, a fallacy. Um, so, Joan, uh, do you wash your hands a lot? I do after using the washroom, right. which I go to frequently. Right. So what you might want to do is make sure you're not using uh, the antibacterial sort of soaps for your hands because that no matter I always when people come in with dry skin, they want me to give them a, a moisturizer suggestion. But my first question is, it's not about what you're moisturizing with. It's about how you're washing. So mm-hmm. if you're overwashing your hands with a strong antibacterial detergent, it doesn't matter how much moisturizer you have, you're not going to win the war. So, um, and then when your hands aren't soiled, so they're not actually 
dirty with, you know, an oil or food or something, you don't want to use soap and water. You want to use an antibacterial hand sanitizer because they've been shown in clinical studies to be less irritating and less drying. So without water? Without water, like a dime-sized amount of an alcohol hand sanitizer. Oh, because I've heard that they're not good. You're better to use soap. Yeah. And, and, and the opposite. And that's the thing. That's part of the reason I wrote this book, uh, Joan, is there's so much information out there, and a lot of it is um, you don't know what to do anymore. These people people don't know what to do because they hear this, this is bad, this is bad. I'm, I'm hoping to shed some light on that with, with actual science, not just my opinion. Um, so the, the World Health Organization and the CDC have both written papers showing that alcohol hand sanitizer is less drying than soap and water. And in fact, more hygienic because you need to sing two happy birthdays when you're washing your hands with soap and water and the water has to be hot enough to be disinfected. Most people don't do that. Okay, uh, let's go to Joan in Pickering. Hi, Joan. Oh, hello. 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 Just listening to everything. <laughs> um, my daughter, she's um, early 40s, and she suffered with psoriasis for, since she was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do, can you tell me anything, you know, more about it? We, I, I assumed it was, oh, well, I, I shouldn't say I assumed. The doctor mentioned when she was in high school that it was a stress related mm-hmm. complaint right. and um, <clears throat> do, you, do you have you any know, family history dear of psoriasis me? do you have family history of psoriasis no actually uh, my husband's sister has suffered with psoriasis mm-hmm. very severely Oh, okay. So that means you do have genetics. So that means okay. it's her aunt. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. We think of genet- We think of psoriasis as a genetic condition. We've actually isolated the gene, and we know what's going what's going mm-hmm. on. We don't know what the trigger is, but um, stress can aggravate disease. Whether that's your migraine, your blood pressure, or your skin. So mm-hmm. stress is an aggravator, not a causer. So that's right off the bat. I take. I take. Uh, that's not correct. So because stress doesn't cause disease, other than mental illness potentially. Or, um, so, you know, you're, you're, if she's stressed, if she's tired, it will aggravate her psoriasis. We have very good treatments for psoriasis. Part of the issue is getting in to see a good dermatologist. There's not enough of us. There's 600 in Can- less than 600 in Canada. Mm. Um, well, the she wait time. Been, she's been to a specialist and. And they've spoken because their hands are very painful. Right, right. Well, my advice to you is to get a second opinion if you're not happy um, because uh, uh, there are ways of treating it. And I think um, it depends on what she does and how she, and how she takes care of her skin and what kind of drug plan she has, too, because we do have great medicines for psoriasis, but some of them can be quite expensive. Uh, you were mentioning that it's very hard to get in to see a dermatologist. Yeah. What's, what's the wait time like? Well, for me personally, it's anywhere from, you know, four to six months. Some of my colleagues, less or more, depending. I have lots of young dermatologists in my clinic, so we get a pretty good turnaround time. But we try to triage. It's very challenging. There's not enough dermatologists in Canada. Well, um, we have uh, about a minute left. So uh, sorry to the people whose yeah. calls we couldn't get to. I'll have to come uh, back. You'll have to come back. That would be wonderful. Uh, the The name of the book is Beyond Soap, The Real Truth About What You Are Doing to Your Skin and How to Fix It for a Beautiful, Healthy Glow. And uh, it, it's not quite out yet. No, it's available for pre-order on uh, Amazon and uh, Google Play and Barnes & Noble. It's also available in the U.S., and, uh, yeah, it comes out May 15th. Okay. And uh, anything you'd like to leave us with in a little less than a minute? 
I think I mean part of the reason I wrote this book was I want I want to change the way people think about taking care of their skin and then have that when they start when they read the book and they think about what they're doing that will then change how they act because a lot of stuff that's written isn't science based it's people's opinions my book is going to give you the science and when you see it and understand it it will hopefully then change how you act okay on that note thank you so much dr sandy scott nikki and we will definitely have you back thank you very much okay bye-bye that's all the time we have for fight back for today and we now break for traffic and news You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.